Greetings, church and friends of the church. It is uh, January 8th, 2021, almost 10 months into the season of wilderness. The wilderness being this metaphor metaphorical image we have of um, a season of life where we're, we've been thrust out from and disconnected from what we used to know as normal. And we are wandering together um, in a strange place on our way to a new normal that isn't yet realized. Uh, today is also two days removed from the storming of the Capitol building, a saddening, maddening, hurtful day that uh, will live on um, in infamy and, and in the memories um, of Americans. So there's really no way that we could continue this series of reflections without acknowledging and considering this historical event. And especially if we're able to gain a little bit deeper insight into why this happened, given all the considerations that we've made in the midst of this series. So in this series, we've reflected on these natural, animalistic, physical tendencies that evolved within every human being. The, the, the physical predisposition and tendency to fight, to assume negatively about others, and to tribalize with those like us. We've considered the isms that these tendencies lead to um, when these irrational animalistic driving forces um, dictate our living together in community. Um, these isms that were on display Wednesday in the violence against officers, the rioting upon the hallowed grounds of the Capitol, and the shouts for insurrection, sedition, revolution, and a coup. So in this series, we've also named a need for us to develop a spirituality that counteracts these physical forces, becomes a different voice telling us who we are and how we're to act in life with one another, so that we're not only listening to these irrational, fearful voices of our physical tendencies. And, and we've started to consider some spiritual practices that we can use, any of us can use, whether religious or not, to nurture a, a spiritual voice within us to helps us that helps us to move beyond these physical trappings. So the first spiritual practice was the, the prayer exchange, where we uh, intentionally trade the desires of the self for the divine desire of peace. The second is meditation, intentionally thinking of nothing, Resting in the goodness and the safety of the moment for long enough that our body's reactive systems calm. And we can live uh, with rationality by that thinking process rather than irrational instinct. The third spiritual practice was mindfulness. That intentional effort to become more fully aware of the realities and the circumstances of another without judgment, without fear, so that our response to them is not reactive, but is compassionate or empathetic. And the fourth is gratitude. The intentional effort to become more aware of the goodness amidst the imperfection of our lives, aware of the goodness in the midst of the imperfection of others, uh, so that we don't ignore the good and then take this route of self-destructing in our antagonism instead. So in this episode, we consider the fifth spiritual practice which is honesty, seeking honesty. And when we hear that word honesty, we might have this simplistic and insufficient assumption about that, what that means. We might think it means to just tell the truth, 
to let the words that come out of our mouths to be truthful. But pursuing honesty is bigger than just measuring the words that escape from our mouths, because if the voices and the measures that we trust inside of us to establish what is true are actually incorrect, whether purposefully or not, then we can think that the words that are coming out of that place inside and out of our mouths are true when in fact they are not. For, for years, uh, Blair's brother, my, my brother-in-law, who's the firstborn of the five siblings in their family, had his two children convinced that the oldest of the four sisters of this family, that the second-born of the five siblings, was actually the oldest. For years, Blair's nephew and niece proclaimed this falsehood with a complete sense of honesty. But they were deceived. What they knew to be true was not actually honesty. So they were dishonest children, not by their own malicious intentions, but because they did not question and test the truth of what they were told. Well, why would they? They trusted their father to tell them the truth because they trusted that he was committed to their well-being and lying would betray that commitment. So this is part of this physical legacy of our evolution. We are driven by our self-protective tendencies to trust the leaders of our tribes. When they tell us we're safe, we feel safe. When they tell us to fear, we fear. When they tell us to fight, we get ready to fight. When they tell us that we must assume negatively about this other people, we assume negatively. When they demand that we're loyal, we're loyal. We are physically predisposed to blindly trust a tribe for the sake of our own safety and well-being. And it takes a special energy and intentionality to override those ever-present physical impulses and to question the version of the truth that we're getting from our tribal leaders and fellow tribe members. But we must. This is very difficult for us to accept because it pushes against all these deep-seated tribal impulses for the sake of our own safety. But if through times of meditation, mindfulness, and prayer, we're able to calm these self-defense mechanisms and we're able to think rationally instead, we come to confess the inescapable reality that the human leaders we understand to be the heads of our tribes are not infallible. They are not perfect. And every single one of them, parents, grandparents, mentors, friends, religious and political leaders, we tend to blindly trust, is capable of failure, is capable of falling to this temptation to be deceitful for their own sake, capable of betraying our trust. And so as we live um, with those we trust and with those who trust us, we have to be constantly vigilant that we are living in the truth. Lies, falsehoods, whether we are speaking or hearing them, never lead to good. Relationships, families, partnerships, careers, physical and mental health, institutions and civilizations all crumble when infected by lies. Lies separate and divide. 
for the breach of trust they cause when they come to light is inevitable. Lies serve the liars to the detriment of the deceived. And yet that self-service to the liar is only temporary until the lie is exposed. Maybe in hindsight, you can see uh, a relationship, a family, a career, a community, a life ruined, broken by a lack of honesty. Maybe you can see how those lies served the liar for as long as the charade lasted. But then once the lies came to light, the liar was hurt too. If that lie in Blair's family had not just been in jest, but had been something more malicious to serve the ego of the liar, that family would have been destroyed. So to truly seek honesty requires not only careful consideration of what comes out of our mouths, but also what goes into our ears and our minds and our hearts. In our world today, we might call that fact-checking. And given how easy it is today for anyone to manufacture a dishonest version of what is true, this discipline is critical. To be people of honesty, we have to be honest about what we say and about what we are hearing. To truly have a life that's absent, lying, deception, cheating, and the brokenness it causes, we have to always test and measure that which others are attempting to have us to believe is true. Centuries ago, um, when the movement of Christianity was in its infancy, um, instead of fact-checking, this was called testing the spirits. So in his first letter that the Apostle John wrote to some other adherents within this movement of Jesus, he, he wrote this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. John also wrote, those who say, I, I love God, yet hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Do not believe every spirit, many of them, as convincing as they may be and as trustworthy they may seem or we want them to be, can be false prophets. Test every spirit. Determine if it is of God. Now, now maybe at the first hearing of what John's writing, this might sound sort of mystical or otherworldly or supernatural. And, and and some might say, I'm not really one who tends to believe in spirits. I hear you, but that's not what John is saying. I'm not sure I would track with this if that's what it meant either. This is an absolutely practical, pragmatic, worldly, fleshy bit of guidance. 
in John's day, in the times of the Israelites and Jesus too, they, they didn't have the scientific knowledge we have about the physiology and the psychology of the brain. They, they didn't know about why we think and act the ways that we do. And so back then, when they talked about why we think and act the way we do, they talked about the spirit within someone directing these thoughts and actions. And in a way, that's that's what I'm inviting us all to consider in this series, that we need to have a different voice within us directing our lives. So that's not just these animalistic self-protecting tendencies that tell us what to think, act, and say in these irrational ways. John's saying the same thing, saying other people can plant and nurture different spirits within you. Different people can have um, ideas that have a direct impact on what you think and do and say. To believe in a spirit, then, wasn't about the belief in something supernatural, some sort of disembodied something that existed floating around and could come into and take, take over me and turn me into their puppet. But about actual people that we put our trust in, that we obey and follow and allow into that place within us where their voice and vision for the world directly impacts our ideas, our actions, and our words. John says, don't believe every spirit. Don't give your loyalty automatically to anyone. Test every spirit. Scrutinize every voice. Determine whether or not something or someone is actually acceptable, good, truthful, trustworthy. So the first test, he says, is this, is this spirit being truthful? And the second test that John offers for testing, engaging, whether a spirit um, is, is someone else trying to nurture um, something nefarious or not within us. The, the second test is whether or not it passes the golden rule test, which, which he frames in his, within his Christian framework, you know, as he was informed by his commitment to the teachings of Jesus. But as we've considered in this series, this claim about the good and true life um, being one of treating the other the way we want to be treated, of loving the other as we seek to be loved ourselves, is not exclusive to Christianity. He writes, if someone hates another, a sister or brother, and is nurturing that same spirit within you, that person is a liar. That, that spirit is not of God, which was John's way of saying, it's not something fundamentally good and right and true. The sign of a spirit that is fundamentally good and right and true is that spirit that instigates actions and words that are loving in accordance with the golden rule. We are predisposed to blindly trust the tribe. It takes intentionality and energy to override those impulses and to question whether or not we are getting the truth from our tribal leaders. But we must. Every human in whom we place our trust is capable of failing to falling to this temptation, to be deceitful for their own sake, and in so doing, betray our trust. And so, as we are in life with those we trust and those who trust us, we have to be constantly vigilant that we are living in the truth. We must calm our reactive blind trust in tribal spirits and allow the rational part of our brains to test every spirit. It is not disloyal or traitorous to do so. It is right and good. 
or lies, where whether we are speaking or hearing them, whether they're intentional or not, never lead to good. This kind of intentional uh, honesty seeking is hard. It's hard to accept when we realize that we've been lied to, manipulated by someone we thought was looking out for our well-being. It hurts. It makes us fear that we don't have anyone to look out for our well-being. This is why these tendencies within us all, within all of us, so often subconsciously blind and deaf in so many of us to the truth as, as a self-defense mechanism. We all have these filters that filter out information that challenges our view of the world, our view of safety within the tribe. And we all have filters that allow in falsehoods that reinforce that view of comfort and safety. And honestly, sometimes we know it's not even subconscious. It's just a choice we make because we determine it would be better to just pretend that the lie didn't happen than to accept the truth of betrayal. It's hard to admit in seeking honesty in what we say and hear that we were wrong. It's hard to, it's hard to admit that. It's even harder to admit when that about which we were wrong was actually an important source of our connection and sense of belonging to our tribe. It hurts to admit that. It makes us fear we won't belong to our tribe if we're disowned for admitting that we were all wrong. This is why so many struggle to be honest about our nation's history, honest about our leaders or spouses or friends. We fear being disowned. We also fear we won't be accepted by another tribe, maybe one we've antagonized or judged when we were in the wrong. It makes us wonder if it would just be better to go along with the lie rather than to admit that we were wrong. And maybe we even subconsciously blind ourselves to the wrong to defend ourselves. Wednesday's um, events at the Capitol happened in part because of the inability of human beings to do this painful work of admitting that the president, other trusted political leaders and news network voices have lied to and manipulated those who trusted them with their well-being trusted them to lead their tribe. That this election was anything other than fair, democratic, and sufficiently tested by bipartisan officials at every level is a completely baseless and unfounded and dangerous lie. That to accept the results of the election is traitorous or weak, or that the only patriotic response was violent insurrection, or that these actors were actually not supporters of the president, but somebody else are baseless, unfounded, dangerous lies. These were lies that were serving those lying. They deceived the mob into thinking that they were striving for their freedom when in fact, these people were striving for their own destruction, ruin and incarceration. Four rioters lost their lives. At least one Capitol police officer lost his life. Countless others 
as they are identified and charged with crimes, will lose their jobs, their reputations, their families, and their freedom. And the worst part of this is that they will lose everything because of lies. For ignoble, dishonorable reasons and sacrificing for those who betrayed them. And not an honorable sacrifice for the sake of others. This happened because so many did not seek honesty in what they were hearing. This happened because they did not test every spirit. And because false prophets led them into ruin for their own sake. The events at the Capitol are a striking example of a larger, problematic, systemic lack of honesty. These lies regarding the election are not the only lies that have put destructive spirits within and among us. There have been lies about conservatives, lies about liberals, lies about people of color, lies about immigrants, lies about the LGBTQ community, lies about the educated, lies about the uneducated, lies about God, lies about the church, lies about other religions, lies about science, lies about the pandemic. Lies about masks and vaccines, lies about our history, lies about our present, lies about our future, lies about money, lies about what's really important, and lies about who is right and righteous. All of these lies are spirits that need to be tested. Unless we learn to seek honesty in what we say and in what we are hearing, we will continue to hold ourselves away from goodness, while liars reap all the benefits. Start today. Start today. Take, take an entire day away from your normal voices that put a spirit within you. Meditate, walk, rest, enjoy some good food. And let your reactivity calm. And then, from that place of rationality, rather than from fearful reactivity, fact-check every voice. Test every spirit. Use Google, Snopes, PolitiFact, any other tool to fact-check leaders, news outlets, family, friends. Test every spirit. Is what I am being told actually true? Measure every version of truth being sold to you against the golden rule. If a spirit is lying, if it's telling you that you don't have to treat others as you'd like to be treated, if there are different rules for you than there are for others, ask yourself, am I really willing to accept this as true? Am I willing to be loyal to this version of the truth? Because, maybe because its claims, its political policies, its social agendas assuage my fears or meet the greed of my own desires or safety, even though it isn't true? Am I willing to be a liar who unjustly benefits from the lies? Or am I compelled to be a person of truth and goodness? Test every spirit and then decide. Will I seek honesty or will I seek self-serving ends? 
if you are hurt, scared, or embarrassed because you were lied to and manipulated by someone you thought was committed to your well-being and to whom you were loyal, whether that's the president, another partisan leader, a voice on TV, someone in your family, a friend, a coworker, whomever. I am sorry for your hurt. I am sorry that you were betrayed. I'm sorry that they failed you. I pray that you have the courage and the conviction to accept the truth, to name the lies, to stop listening to those lying to you for their sake and not yours, and to reconsider who gets your loyalty and your attention. If you are fearful, fearful that if you admit that your loyalties, your ideas, your actions have been based on falsehoods and have been wrong, fearful that, that you will be disowned by your tribe, by your friend group, your family, your workplace, fearful you'll be denied acceptance by those of a different tribe, I am sorry for your fear. And I pray you have the courage and the conviction to admit how you've been wrong. And I pray that you would have a hope and a trust in the belonging and the reconciliation that come as gifts from a commitment to the truth. If you are someone who cares for someone else, who has lived in these places of lies, manipulation, and fear, don't antagonize or cut them off rashly. Speak the truth of the lies and the wrongness at the heart of this sad and embarrassing day at the Capitol or about whatever lie or lies um, there were that misguided and manipulated your loved one. Don't, don't step back from speaking the truth and naming the lies as they are, but empathize with any hurt and fear as they share. Remind them that despite their misplaced loyalties and commitments to falsehoods, a mutual commitment to the truth will bind you together in belonging. If they do the hard and painful work of accepting and admitting, receive them with grace. As early Christian Paul wrote, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to one another. For we are members of one another. If we're in the truth together, we can belong and help and love one another. We don't learn from this. We are doomed to repeat it. It's too easy to just wring our hands and say, this is not who we are, but the hard truth is that this is exactly who we are. We are who we are because we've not been a people committed to honesty. It's easy to judge the dishonesty of others, but what we really need to do is the hard work of judging the honesty of ourselves. The way forward must be illuminated by truth. The truth about the lies and manipulations coming from political leaders and news networks, coming from pulpits and preachers, coming from family and friends, coming from our own bodies and our own fears. As we test every spirit, the way forward must be the way of honesty. The truth about the wrongness of the lies that we hear, the truth about the destruction that loyalty to lies brings about, and the truth that forgiveness and belonging are possible as we commit ourselves to lives of honesty together. 
as Teddy Roosevelt said, in the long run, the most unpleasant truth is a safer companion than a pleasant falsehood. This is a spiritual discipline that we all must pursue so that the intentional search for honesty and the testing of every spirit becomes our way of life rather than a blind and deaf tribal reactivity. And so that our lives work together toward the goodness of all, and not just the liars, in places of renewed friendship, love, laughter, companionship, and peace. I'm happy to talk with anyone about this, so please feel free to reach out. Stay home, stay safe, wear a mask, please. Be well, and peace to all.